What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined as always by the ghost of the Run DMC, aka Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and today, the ghost of at DFF Moose. That's right, today is a solo show, first ever in the history of the Dynasty Dynamic. And we had a show planned, and all of a sudden things fell apart, and I was like, you know what? We promised you guys weekly content from here on out. So here I am. I'm doing a solo show. I don't have high hopes for it. We'll see what happens. But um, I'm just going to run through everything that we had planned. Uh, Me and at DFF Moose had put together a little show based on some polls. So I say, let's just run through it, give you guys some quick hits, and we will go from there. So unfortunately, the guys couldn't make the show because I'm debuting a new segment this week. And that is my tweet of the week so tweet of the week first ever time i'm doing this shout out to zach schwartz on twitter at zach 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 who probably had my favorite tweet of the off season he had a tweet where he shows himself mirroring dan campbell head coach of the detroit lions uh his morning coffee routine which spoiler alert consists of two venti iced coffees from starbucks with two espresso shots in each It's one of the funnier things I've seen in a long time. I cannot believe that this is what Dan Campbell does. And at the same time, I can believe that it's what Dan Campbell does because this guy is so intense. uh, It makes sense that he's got about a thousand milligrams of caffeine coursing through his veins every day. So I'll put the show or I'll put the tweet in the show description so you guys can check it out for yourself. But shout out to Zach Schwartz for winning our very first tweet of the week. So to get into the content, right, to get into the stuff you guys want to hear about, um, The first poll we're going to go over tonight was something that Mike posted, and it was actually a trade he had completed recently, and he wanted to get the wisdom of the crowds to weigh in on this and see who won. And this is a trade involving probably the most polarizing player in Dynasty and Redraft right now. Nobody knows what to do with this guy. Michael Thomas can't guard Mike gets dealt in this deal injury news coming out things are crazy right now so dff moose ships michael thomas away and in return gets mike williams gus edwards and a 2023 second now before i dive into my thoughts on this trade i want to quickly set the stage for a couple of the centerpieces mostly being mike mike thomas and mike williams Michael Thomas is 28 and a half years old. So if you follow the show and you know anything about me, those guys are typically off my radar. I like to churn the roster, maybe get ahead on some of this uh, age apex stuff and really sort of deal these superstars while they're just kind of coasting down the back end of their prime, right? So Michael Thomas, 28 and a half years old. If this is indeed a lost season for him, going into your dynasty league next year, he's going to be 29 and a half years old, turning 30 during the season. But the funny thing with Michael Thomas is this is his first real injury since entering the league. So, you know, his rookie year was in 2016 and he's played 15 games, 16 games, 16 games, 16 games. And the guy has never finished lower than wide receiver seven in half PPR scoring. So when Michael Thomas is healthy, he is an animal. Somebody who was putting up 23.4 fantasy points per game in 2019 winning people leagues left and right. So we know this. When Michael Thomas is on the field, he's one of the best receivers in the game. 
it is so hard to figure this out right now from my point of view because dealing absolute superstars when they're healthy and on the field is typically a no in dynasty right but you look at it from this point of view and there's the ankle stuff happened last year right limited his effectiveness on the field um you know really only having less than 500 yards receiving and you also have the ankle stuff spilling into this year right which is crazy because I totally respect somebody trying to go the route of natural healing, right? These guys go, they undergo surgery all the time. And if you can avoid an invasive procedure on your body, I assume that that is always the best course of action. Unfortunately, with the team drama stuff, it feels like it's just kind of coalesced into something much bigger than an injury. So right now people are looking at Michael Thomas and they're saying, this guy's going to play a lost season. This guy is a head case. This guy's a problem for the team. I looked at the dead cap for the Saints, and I don't see them dealing Michael Thomas, so I feel like he's going to be on this roster for the foreseeable future because of the time he signed his extension towards the end of his rookie career, uh, rookie contract. And so on one hand, I have this absolute superstar with the very near future and potentially his career, right? We don't know how players recover from these injuries. Um, on the line, but the return, it just didn't do it for me. You know, I mean, Mike Williams, it's, it's, we're looking at somebody whose best fantasy finish was wide receiver 32. And this was his sophomore season in the league had 660 yards and 10 touchdowns. So really being raised up in the rankings by that double digit touchdown season. Um, somebody who finished wide receiver 46 last year, right? Not great numbers. Um, you know, my, my co-host Dan legendarily calling for the Mike Williams fifth year breakout this year, but Mike Williams has a bit of a Keenan Allen problem. Okay. Um, and when I look at this, Keenan Allen is number five in target share for wide receivers last year. And it's just so hard to compete with those guys. He, Keenan Allen, so polished as a route runner, so polished as a red zone threat. Like, if you want to draw up a safety blanket for someone like Justin Herbert, you want it to look like Keenan Allen as a wide receiver one. So Mike Williams fifth year breakout still seems bold to be claiming. Um, so I'm not in love with the return there. I do like, you know, in some of these deeper dynasty leagues, stashing these kind of high end backups. If you have the opportunity for them as a throw in a, in a deal and, and Gus Edwards is, is no joke. I mean, very efficient last year in one of the most run-heavy offenses, um, could potentially even have some standalone value if, for whatever reason, they're not using J.K. Dobbins to the full force that um, you know that many people think he could be capturing for a workload. Um, and then a 2023 second, right? 2023 class, the work that I've been doing looking at these guys, shaping up to be a very talent-rich class. So anytime somebody's getting picks in that range, you know, I'm tend to be more higher on the 2023 class right now than the 2022 class. Obviously, these things can change. Players emerge all the time. Um, but as of right now, I love seeing that 2023 pick thrown in there. So what what did the wisdom of the crowd say, right? What were the results? So the poll results spoke pretty clearly. 58% um, of people still want Michael Thomas, right? Only 36% wanted the package deal and 6% can't decide. So listen, 
there's a lot to be said for risk aversion in Dynasty and risk tolerance, right? So if you are at all afraid of, you know, Michael Thomas near term and you're trying to win now, that can certainly factor into this decision. Um, if you are just seriously concerned about the injury and his relationship with the team, that could be a thing as well. I have a hard time selling Michael Thomas right now. And I think my takeaway on this is if you're going to trade Michael Thomas, I'm not sure now is the time to do it, right? Uh, we're already clearly seeing his dynasty value for the first time in a few years, like really bottom out. The fact that Mike Williams is a centerpiece on this return kind of tells you that. Um, I feel like there's still things that could play out. I feel like it can't get too, too much lower right in the near future for Michael Thomas. I mean, unless uh, news comes out that he retires, which for Andrew Luck owners, that stuff can happen any day of the week. Happened to me, probably happened to a bunch of you. So right now I'm fine with the return. I'm sure there's some other deals where you see people getting a little bit more, but uh, I think I'm holding Michael Thomas for the foreseeable future, you know, just to ride it out a bit. We're already hitting, we're already hitting rock bottom. Let's, let's ride it out a bit more. So the other trade that we had queued up, or not even a trade, but just kind of a player versus player poll that we had queued up for tonight was a couple of tight ends that are getting really, really hyped. And that's Adam Troutman and Herb Smith. And for those of you not overly familiar with some of these players, right? Some young and up and coming tight ends. Um, Adam Troutman going into his second year with the Saints. This guy is a mountain of a man, 6'5", 255 pounds, and was absolutely dominant dominant at Dayton um, played last year very limited you know receiving work had about 15 receptions for 170 yards but this is somebody that in my opinion and I, I tend to gravitate toward these guys I historically punt the tight end position in dynasty so anytime I can see some of these small school kind of slipping through the cracks not the high rated high drafted tight ends in dynasty these are the guys I typically try to mine value for Adam Troutman is a true two-way tight end. He was actually PFF's highest rated blocker in 2020. So out of all the tight ends in the league, granted he was only playing about a 50% snap share, but of all the all the tight ends that they charted, he was the highest rated run blocking tight end in 2020. And that's huge because the tight end position, notoriously difficult to learn, right? You are playing half linemen half wide receiver, right? You have to know the blocking assignments. You have to know the routes. Very difficult to learn. And sometimes they're even blocking and then running the route. So historically, tight ends take a while to develop. So to see him rated as a blocker and then having the opportunity he has this year with the aforementioned Michael Thomas out of the picture for probably at least the beginning of the season. We'll see how it plays out. Um, Traquan Smith picking up some injuries. My guy, Marcus Callaway, um, reportedly looking great in camp. Somebody that I think if you still have the opportunity, it's probably slipped through your fingers. But if for whatever reason, he's still out there in any of your dynasty leagues, you should be stashing that guy immediately. Huge upside for the undrafted guy coming out of Tennessee. And, but, but to get back to Troutman, he is a true two-way tight end, which means he's going to be on the field, right? He is not one of these can only go out to run the routes and they take him off the field when they need to change the personnel or bring in more blockers. Um, to see this type of blocking prowess early in his career, knowing with the receiving prowess that he had, right? Absolutely ridiculous, like a 97% dominator at Dayton. Um, just a massive, massive threat all over the field in the red zone, has a 95th percent agility score. 
So short area quickness, ability to move over the middle, make defenders miss, and then use that size to absolutely box people out. In the other corner, we have Irv Smith. And Irv Smith is one of those guys, you hear people talk about these tight ends that come into the league at like age 20, and these guys historically have torn up the league. Like it's just when you come in that young and the NFL sends that signal that, yes, we want you, come in, you're going to get drafted. And Irv Smith did. He got the draft capital. This is a player that coming out of Alabama um, in his final season put up 710 yards while competing with Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith. If you've ever heard of any of those guys, they're all in the NFL right now. So that is some serious high-level competition. Actually outproduced Smith in the receiving game that year. Smith only had 693 yards. So a couple notches above for Irv Smith. And I think the big thing about Irv Smith is he feels a little undersized for the position. When you look at the landscape across the NFL, he's 6'2", 242 pounds, um, and fills maybe a bit more of that move tight end role, right? Um, so somebody who's not always in line, not always making the blocks, but a serious threat in the slot um, because he does have that extra size compared to a normal receiver, right? That would be playing the slot, lining up against linebackers, too big for safeties, too fast for linebackers. Irv Smith definitely has the speed to kill, runs like a 4-6. So he definitely has a lot going for him as well. The, one of the potential flaws I see in Irv Smith is even with that big stat line, that 710 yards in his final season in Alabama, he never registered a breakout age. And that's because he never hit that 15% dominator rating um, that, that they use for tight ends, right? So even though the numbers are impressive in the context of total production, receiving yards, touchdowns, share of the offense, he never was able to hit that dominator rating to give him a breakout, right? So you got to always put this stuff in context and it's which way do you want to look at it? Do you want to look at it as he didn't break out because he was competing with a plethora of future NFL starting wide receivers? Or do you want to spin it as, yeah, he was prolific in an already prolific offense and really didn't hit that dominator threshold. So all these metrics can be used in context, you know, to make whatever argument you want to make. Um, but to get back to the to the picture, right? So the poll results didn't really help us much. And this wasn't a small poll. You know, this had close to 100 votes and it was f exactly 48% for Troutman and for Smith. And the remaining percentage couldn't decide and just wanted to see what the wisdom of the crowds was saying. So if I'm going to grab one of these guys, first of all, I think everybody might be jumping the gun a little bit, right? Um, I don't think either of these guys is looking at a top five tight end season. They are those later round could hit. Um, everybody wants them to ascend, especially for their, you know, their value in dynasty, right? And have that cornerstone tight end on your roster. Troutman going into his second year, Irv Smith going into his third year. Uh, if I had to pick one to go this year, I think Troutman probably has the easier path to production. Um, pretty proven receiver with kind of a decimated uh, competition in the receiving room right now with Michael Thomas hurt and Traquan Smith hurt. Um, Irv Smith obviously would be competing with Thielen and the rising superstar, Justin Jefferson. Uh, but even, you know, both running backs catching passes, obviously Alvin Kamara for the Saints and Dalvin Cook for the Vikings. 
I think I'm going to lean Troutman both for if I was looking for someone to produce this year and just in dynasty in general. Um, I think he is just more of the pro more of the complete prospect that has the size speed blocking prowess and just overall resume um, to back up what you like to see on tight ends that, that succeed in the NFL. And speaking of tight ends, I need to make a public service announcement. Okay. And Dan's not here. So Dan can't stop me. No, are you kidding me? Okay. Well then yes. Yeah. Get into it. He's going to have to hear this when everybody else hears this. Um, but Kyle Pitts, I feel like we are really jumping into crazy territory with Kyle Pitts projections for this year. Um, so I was looking at um, fantasy football calculator today and they had his average draft position in two quarterback leagues at the turn um, roughly the 412. So top Kyle Pitts is a top 48 pick um, in redraft leagues this year. And I've been in some dynasty leagues where he's gone even higher than that in tight end premium dynasty leagues. And we can save the, what does the future hold for Kyle Pitts as a NFL player uh, conversation for another day. But right now I just want to talk about this year, right? So people that are either drafting him in early in dynasty or that are expecting huge things in their redraft leagues, I'm going to give you the list of rookie tight ends with 600 or more receiving yards since 2000. It is Jeremy Shockey, it is Evan Ingram, and it's John Carlson. And that's the list. 21 years worth of data. We have three tight ends that had over 600 yards. And I know what you're going to say. Max, well, all you need is like double-digit touchdowns to be a top tight end. So wanted to look at some other notable rookie seasons for tight ends whose names you've probably heard before. Rob Gronkowski, 546 yards and 10 touchdowns. Gronk got there. Gronk, the greatest tight end to ever play football, in my opinion. I'm sure some people would argue the next guy on this list, but Gronk got there with the touchdowns. Tony Gonzalez, the other candidate in the who's the greatest tight end of all time conversation. Rookie year production, 368 yards, two touchdowns. Jason Witten, rookie year, 347 yards, one touchdown. Antonio Gates goes for 389 and two. Jimmy Graham goes for 356 and five. Greg Olson, 391 and two. My guy, TJ Hawkinson, 365 and two. Vernon Davis, 100th percentile spark score. You want to talk about an athlete? You want to talk about Kyle Pitts before there was Kyle Pitts? Vernon Davis, 100th percentile spark score at the tight end position. Um, Whoa. 265 yards and three touchdowns. And I saved this one for last because it's fresh in everybody's mind. It's a player everybody knows. Recency bias in full effect. Noah Fant. Noah Fant was an absolute monster. Competed with TJ Hawkinson at Iowa. So eight into each other's production in college. Both guys still first round picks, still Hugely valuable players to own in Dynasty right now. Noah Fant off the charts athleticism. 562 yards, but only three touchdowns in his rookie year. So if Kyle Pitts hits and he hits this year, he will be an outlier. There's no, there's no ands, ifs, or uts about and ifs or buts about it. He will be an outlier. And I just want to let everybody know whether you're constructing a win now dynasty team making moves for this year, or you're about to go with your buddies and draft a redraft team. Kyle Pitts 
in order for him to succeed the way you want him to succeed, he's going to have to be a massive outlier. And those are just not the kinds of guys I bet on. So public service announcement over. I can see, I can hear Dan shaking his fist in the air while he listens to this because he is not getting a preview. He's going to hear it when everybody else hears it. No, are you kidding me? Um, and the lesson we learned today ultimately is you get what you pay for, right? You know, I don't pay Dan anything to join the show. I don't pay Mike anything to join the show. And uh, wouldn't you know, they 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 didn't show up. So you get what you pay for. And I'm just doing my best. Like I said, we promise you guys weekly content. And, and all jokes aside, Dan and Mike will be back. Dan will be back next week. Mike will be back with more polls. But I did my best this week to put the team on my back, a la Greg Jennings from the old Madden clip with my broken leg, and uh, give you guys some content. So hopefully you found it useful. Um, you know, we're going to read some reviews next show. We keep getting the reviews, great feedback for us. So please continue to read, uh, or to give us the reviews. We'll read them on the show. We want to hear your thoughts. Um, but I think that does it. So for a quick, wound up being longer than I thought it would be, but still a quick hit show, give you some current news and some current thoughts getting out of here for today. This is the dynasty dynamic. You stay classy dynasty leaguers. Did I lose you?